Scott Walker here. Thanks so much for joining us for our weekly podcast, Freedom Fighters. We appreciate you joining us. And I got to tell you, last week we talked a little bit about this, but about the effort to persist, not just resist, but persist. Persistence is different than than, uh, resistance. Persistence is about having uh, power, having an ability to do something. Resistance is just pushing back in the sense of being out of control. Persistence is about following through and getting something done. And when it comes to the fight for freedom, uh, it is so important that we persist. Something we talked about this weekend with um, just an incredible number of great students. We were we had to move from Washington, D.C., where there was little or no opportunity for us to meet and still had restrictions in the uh, in the state of uh, in the Commonwealth of Virginia. But it was so great to be with uh, students in person to talk about persisting in the fight to defend freedom. And particularly exciting, because as we talked about last week, when I talked a little bit about uh, my ancestors and where they came from and how they, like so many others, came to live their piece of the American dream here, we talked about how great it is to talk to people who have recently legally immigrated to America. And I got to tell you, one of the neat things was after speaking to the students on Friday night, a number of them, particularly a student who came from, his family came from Venezuela, uh, a number of others from Central and South America, uh, some from the old uh, Soviet bloc countries, and even a few from Hong Kong came up and reaffirmed that, uh, made that case that uh, while so many of our woke friends and neighbors uh, don't understand, the rest of the world does, and that there's something special in America. Part of, though, uh, is not just the overall change in culture we talked about last week, and I'll continue to talk about in my days going forward as I take over the responsibility of serving as president and the leader of Young America's Foundation, yeah, for Ron Robinson, who's done a fabulous job. It's not just about changing culture, although that's going to be the key focus of YAF, uh, and it has been in the past, from its founding by William F. Buckley back in 1960 to the early days of leadership by Ronald Reagan and people like Barry Goldwater and many others over the years, certainly working to change culture is important now more than ever before. But another part of it that goes beyond just the scope of what YAF does is persistence, persisting uh, when it comes to defending freedom uh, and persisting the elections. And to that regard, as you might guess, being a two-term governor from the state of Wisconsin, continuing to have a presence in Wisconsin and voting Wisconsin and having family and friends that live in Wisconsin. Uh, This past week, plenty of people have asked me about the recount and what's likely to happen. And you'll find on this podcast, as you'll find just talking to me in person, I I give you the facts. I don't sugarcoat things. I lay it right out there. Uh, I'm decent about it, like those of us in the Midwest, but but I uh, I don't shy away from the truth. And Early on, uh, I said after the election that I thought, even though it was an incredibly close election, which I predicted all along, uh, I said the pollsters would be wrong. This would be just as close as it was four years ago when Donald Trump just barely defeated Hillary Clinton in the state of Wisconsin. The pollsters and the pundits were wrong. I was right. This was an incredibly close election. Uh, So far, out of the millions of votes cast, the margin is less than 1%. You're talking about somewhere in the range of about 20,000 votes. But I also said early on, uh, right after the election date, that I thought that 20,000, if that was the final number, it was a very high hurdle. And I still believe it is. Uh, But I hold out hope, and I want to talk about that, 
the reason I said it's a high hurdle is because in the past, four years ago being the most recent, uh, Jill Stein, the Green Party candidate, uh, asked for and paid for a recount in the state of Wisconsin that uh, ultimately, uh, in the end, uh, ended up seeing uh, candidate Donald Trump receiving 131 more ballots uh, or votes uh, than he had in the in the original count. Uh, back in 2011, when there was a Supreme Court election statewide, in that recount, there was a sway of about 300 votes in the recount. I'm going to come back to that in a moment, but in the recount itself. And so I said changing hundreds of votes is possible in a statewide election. Changing a 1,000 really just hasn't happened. I said that's a really high bar. So I advised, uh, talking to the vice president and others, the president's legal and political team, that I thought it made sense for them to wait until the canvases were conducted in each of the 72 counties. Uh, that had to happen within 14 days of the election. Uh, and then they'd have an opportunity to seek a recount. I told them to be prepared for that. Uh, the statewide canvas is on December 1st. At that point, they officially certify the election results. So I said they had some time. That's where we're at right now. Uh, by Wednesday of this past week, by 5 o'clock p.m. Central Time, uh, they had to uh, submit their request for a recount. And because they were under 1% of the vote margin, they're legally entitled to a recount. But because the difference was about about 0.6, somewhere between the 0.6 and 0.7% range. Uh, the law clearly says that under 1%, you can have a recount, but the egregious party not only has to request it, but if it's more than 0.25, so anything more than one quarter of 1%, but under 1% can go forward, but the egregious party asking for it uh, has to pay for that recount. So I told them, wait. See, the reason I said that is because uh, it doesn't frequently happen. It's not likely to happen. But years ago, nine years ago in a state Supreme Court election, on the night of the election, one candidate won, the challenger, a liberal uh, activist running for Supreme Court justice, won with just over 200 uh, of the votes. When the canvas was conducted, they found that ballots had been legitimately cast in the city of Brookfield. Uh, they had been uh, collected that, that day and, and counted in Brookfield, but they had not been added to the tabulation done by the Waukesha County clerk. Uh, why that was important is Waukesha uh, in Brookfield in particular, relatively Republican-leaning areas. And so when they went back and found not that new votes were found. Uh, they didn't find some ballot somewhere that had been counted. It was literally votes that had already been counted but just had not been listed uh, by the county clerk on the spreadsheet they'd had and included in the official count as presented on election night. What they found was in doing that, uh, there were more than 14,000 votes added to the overall tabulation for the county and in turn the state. And in doing so, it went from a loss to a win uh, for the incumbent conservative uh, justice on the Supreme Court and, and a major significant victory. Of course, the left cried uh, loudly about this, but the bottom line is it all added up. And so my thought was, and we've seen bits and pieces of this in, in Georgia and Michigan and elsewhere where human error tabulation wasn't done right, so you need to check that out. 
it does not appear, at least up in those cases, that that is an issue uh, that will come out in uh, the November 2020 presidential election in Wisconsin. So the next step, and, and here's what they presented, and here's my thoughts about it. I think they, they make a legitimate case going forward. It's more than just complaining about a few examples of voter fraud or of irregularities that they've identified. All those things are accurate as well, but, but from a legal standing to take action, it's important to have something uh, that a court, uh, be it at the local circuit court level or ultimately the state Supreme Court, could actually add on. So the premise of their argument is really falls into three categories. Uh, and it's all about absentee ballots in two counties. The, 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 the money they transferred to the state of Wisconsin was $3 million to conduct a recount in the two largest counties, Milwaukee County and Dane County. Milwaukee, of course, including the largest city in the state. Dane County, including the capital city, Madison, which is now the second largest, but by far uh, one of the most liberal cities in the country. So they asked for the recount in these two, but parallel to the recount, they're pursuing uh, legal action in three different areas, all regarding absentee ballots and all regarding the argument that the law, the actual statute, the law was not followed when it came to absentee ballots in each of these cases here in the state of Wisconsin. Now, on the first issue, uh, they argue that the, that the law, and the law clearly does say this, you look at the statute, the, the law says that uh, only completed, correctly completed absentee ballots can be counted and that you cannot count ballots that do not include the, uh, the address of the, uh, uh, the address correctly noted on the envelope. So in Wisconsin, at least, that you fill out on a regular ballot your votes, you can vote for all or as many of the positions as you want, but then you fold it up, put inside an envelope, seal it. Uh, the voter has to state their name, sign it, and then put their address. The witness, which is required in the state of Wisconsin, has to do the same. What they're arguing in this case, and they have plenty of, of examples of where this happened, the uh, there were many instances where per bad advice to the clerks from the Wisconsin Elections Commission, which is directly in violation of what the statute says, they were told they could fill in the address, specifically the address, if people had neglected to, to fill it in. And that's not the case. If someone failed to fill it in, they called them or emailed or contacted them to come down and fix it. That's one thing. But these were people, poll workers, actually filling it in per the erroneous direction. So issue number one... <coughs> The fact that you actually have to, the voters have to correctly fill this out, including the address. If you don't do it, can't count it. Only legally cast ballots should be counted. That's a theme we're going to talk about here with each of these. Secondly, uh, they talked about the fact that you actually, per the law, have to request in writing, you have to provide written requests to receive an absentee ballot. In Wisconsin, particularly in the two largest cities, there was a push uh, the last two weeks, from October 20th to November 1st, a push to get more people to vote. And as part of it, uh, they had uh, places where people gathered. Apparently, COVID, there was a COVID-free zone because while they were told you couldn't go to church or other places, you could apparently go to these places. Uh, and in doing so, they gave people, upon request, FC ballots. Again, their argument here is the law clearly says you have to, to receive an absentee ballot. You have to do it in writing. They didn't do it in writing. Again, 
only legally cast ballots should be counted. And the third point ties into a law I signed during my first year or so in office, and that was recording a photo ID to vote. That that applies to absentee ballots as well. Uh, and the argument here is the only real exception for this uh, was for people who are indefinitely confined. Uh, what that means is if someone fits this indefinitely confined definition, that would typically, logically, not only in Wisconsin but elsewhere, mean, okay, if someone is indefinitely confined, meaning they're, they're, they're in a hospital bed, they're in a nursing home, they're incapable of, of moving, they're, they're there. Okay, that makes sense. You'd give some leeway that people physically can't get out. Uh, and so that part made sense under the law. But what didn't is, again, clerks, county clerks in Milwaukee and Dane County actively, publicly encourage people uh, to mischaracterize that they were indefinitely confined due to the circumstances of COVID as a way of circumventing state law requiring a photo idea. And, and to me, that's just clear. Again, it's another example of the law not being followed. Only legally cast votes should be counted in the final results. So the issue going forward isn't about the canvas. It isn't even about the recount. It's about getting people to take seriously the state statutes, only counting votes that were legally counted, and only those legally cast should be included in the final results, and getting a court, whether it's at the local level or circuit court, or all the way up to the state Supreme Court to do just that. Similar arguments being made in places like Pennsylvania, uh, in particular, uh, across the nation. So does that mean um, the president's going to get the electoral votes from Wisconsin? Hard to say. Uh, if it were today, uh, the votes, if nothing changed, would clearly electoral college votes would be aligned to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. But I do think that the president's legal team has a compelling argument, and we'll see now if the courts take it up, but ultimately in presenting that evidence uh, to the courts, if that leaves any standing whatsoever for members of the state legislature to take that in consideration, considering they're the ones under the Constitution they actually get to make this determination in terms of the electors. So that's what's going on. I think it's, even if the final outcome doesn't change, for the tens of millions of Americans, particularly so many of whom voted either for the first time or for the first time voted for a right-of-center candidate, we just owe it uh, to them uh, for now and for the future to show that people are willing to fight to ensure that elections are free and fair and that people are ultimately upholding the law in Wisconsin and across the country. And then I think after this, no matter who takes the oath of office on January 20th, uh, state legislative leaders and governors across America have to, absolutely have to, early next year, embark upon making major reforms to ensure the transparency and legitimacy of elections from the local level to the state level to the federal level yet again in the future. Uh, there's got to be confidence. People have to have transparency that, so they can see what's going on. The joke the other night was the staff, in particular the Wisconsin Elections Commission, was somehow trying to change the manual to booster their case against the, uh, the legal team of, of the president, and they were trying to make it harder uh, to observe what was happening uh, with the recount. Absolutely outrageous. Uh, in Milwaukee County, for example, they're set up in the convention center, so there's plenty of space 
You know, if we can go to the post office or Walmart or the grocery store and plexiglass up, there's no reason why there can't be protections up there. And anybody and everybody who wants to come in and observe this should do that. If there's nothing to hide, why would you hide it? Why wouldn't you want everyone to see this process uh, going forward? So that's an area where we absolutely have to persist uh, now and in the future. Final thoughts for today uh, before uh, we take off and get ready with a week out for Thanksgiving. It's just a little bit of a historical reference. I love history. You'll see over time I'll reference it quite a bit. Uh, Today, a lot of people don't know this. On this date, uh, in the year 1863, uh, then-President Abraham Lincoln, who ironically was invited to speak but wasn't the primary speaker, was invited uh, to speak at the uh, National Soldiers Cemetery at Gettysburg. And remember, November 63 is just months after uh, the turning point in the war and the battle, July 1st, 2nd, and 3rd at Gettysburg. Uh, again, one of those monumental turning points in the outcome of the Civil War. Uh, but, but I just want to end with this, because it's obviously one of the shortest speeches, but one of the most memorable uh, in, in American and really world history. Uh, we know the start of this, but I, I want to particularly highlight the end, because I think that's the most important. But it begins with four score and seven years ago, Our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We are met on the great battlefield of that war. We've come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those who here gave their lives that that nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this. But in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hollow this ground. The brave men, living and dead, who struggled here have consecrated it. Far above our poor power to add or detract, The world will little note, nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. It is for us, the living, rather to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. It's rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us, that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion, that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation, under God, shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. Today, a week out from Thanksgiving Day, I'm thankful that America had Abraham Lincoln is our president, and that particularly these words, probably unlike anything else he said there, the one thing he was absolutely wrong about in a speech that otherwise nailed it was the phrase, the world will little note nor long remember what we say here. For that, he was wrong. But as he said, but it can never forget what they did here. We highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God, shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. 
I'm Scott Walker. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, keep fighting for freedom.